This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. We were broadcasting live from Parenthood, the Unconference at Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi with an incredible lineup of guests. We spoke to Karen McNanny, a mediator, a divorce specialist and co-parenting coach as well, talking about raising children post-divorce, in conversation with children's author Stephen Lee about his show Aboard the QE2, exploring baby signing and how it can help with your bond with your baby and maybe their academics too, plus a psychologist sharing why taking care of yourself makes you a better parent, how to avoid the burnout, plus Kids App was on hand with some must-dos for the family this weekend. Helen Farmer. We are broadcasting live from Parenthood, the unconference at the Etihad Arena here on Yas Island. And we've cherry-picked some speakers, some topics that I feel are going to be really beneficial to you as families. And unfortunately, divorce is on the rise. I saw a stat just out of the UK yesterday talking about 10% increase over there. Some of this will be backed up from the pandemic when procedures couldn't couldn't be taking place. But I suspect an awful lot of it is probably to do with a bit of the, the lockdown blues. So we're talking divorce today with Karen McNanny, who's a mediator, a certified divorce coach and a co-parenting specialist. She's got two teenage children. And how many years divorced now, Karen? I am 11 year survivor of divorce. <laughs> and I think anyone who can carry that badge gets to identify as a survivor. It is a tough journey Mm -hmm. and we often do it in isolation and in silence. And so thank you, Helen, for handing me a microphone today to shine light on a really important topic. It is so valuable because I think everyone obviously has a very different experience of divorce depending on the dynamic of the relationship, your reasons for separating, your attitudes towards divorce and how you navigate if not as a couple, but certainly as a family afterwards. And your topic today, one family, two homes, navigating the post-divorce landscape. What kind of trends and concerns, I guess, are you seeing with families that you're working with right now? Well, I think what brought me to this work was my own journey as I approached an inevitable truth, a truth that many of us just run from. We, we don't get married and bring children into the world with the intent of getting divorced. These are the things that... Um, are a twist and a turn in our lives. Mm -hmm. And as I looked around uh, and in the movies and media and TV, primarily what we see is destruction, divide and conquer, go to war. And I can remember so specifically sitting with a pit in my stomach thinking, I cannot raise children with an enemy. I don't want to make an enemy of this man. Mm -hmm. He is beautiful and lovely and a caring father. And I it occurred to me that I think there's a lot of sort of ordinary folk like me. And I'm talking, you know, those that their marriage is not going to continue, but the relationship does. And it has to. Yes, the family is still a family. And I think when we talk about marriage counselling on the show, which we have done at length recently, because you cannot get marriage counselling in the UA for love nor money right now, let oh. me tell you, it's very busy indeed. Um, is that sometimes when people are going for mediation, sometimes it's not about staying together. Sometimes it's a- about being apart, but doing it in a respectful way that are really kind of putting the children first. And I'm curious, Karen, do you think you can have a good divorce? A good divorce. Well, I am the good divorce coach, so I believe it to be true. And, and I remind couples, maybe you were not successful in marriage, 
but you actually can be successful in divorce. Mm -hmm. And this is a dramatic paradigm shift that I bring all of my heart and passion to because there's so many people who only see one narrative, which is I need to lawyer up, take everything I can get, and we have a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. that there will not be enough. And so we grab and we grab time and we grab possessions and we grab money. But the reality is, is that there is a story of abundance wrapped up inside of that where we can see, you know, not always stay for the children, stay for the children, but sometimes mm -hmm. we need to leave for the sake of the children to show them a loving, functional family that exists across two homes. I think that is such an interesting point in terms of the media as well. You know, we think about divorce being this tragic end to a happy marriage. And sometimes it can be a really happy start of something else. Sometimes it can be cause for celebration. You know, and my goodness, divorce rates are on the rise and we're seeing it in certain demographics, certainly those in 40s and 50s, you know, when children are growing up and leaving home. And a big part of this is we're living a lot longer. We might not want to be in a home with someone for the next yes. 40 years. When the marriage construct came into, you know, our our social construct. We'd be dead by 50. We'd be dead <laughs> well into 40, 50. We'd be done. We'd get good 10 years and off we go. But now we're, you know, my parents married 62 years. They're in their <gasps> 80s. It's extraordinary. And, and for some people, amazing. Good for you. But it doesn't necessarily to be this mark of success of, you know, you stayed married despite being so desperately unhappy. Do you think that's a trap that some people do fall into? Absolutely. I think there's so many ways that we feel trapped, that we feel stuck and we don't see our way out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, the stuck came from the fear that there was going to, you know, my children were going to fall out of school and they were going to become drug addicts and their entire life would be flushed down the toilet. And, and that is just not the case. We can have a relationship that is functional. Sometimes when I'm working with couples on their divorce relationship and providing tools and insights, they think, oh, I wish we had had some of this while we were married. We might have done better better off. From Etihad Arena on Yas Island, Abu Dhabi. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at Parenthood, the Unconference. The event you wish your parents had attended. Absolute pleasure to have you with us this afternoon and a pleasure to be joined this afternoon by Karen McNanny, a mediator, certified divorce coach and a co-parenting specialist. Earlier today, she had her talk right here at Parenting the Unconference called One Family, Two Homes, Navigating the Post-Divorce Landscape. Karen, we've had numerous messages that we are going to get to in just a few minutes, but I wanted to ask you, for anyone listening today who is down the track with divorce perhaps it happened a few years ago perhaps it happened decades ago is it ever too late to have a good divorce it is never too late to have a good divorce and there are so many tools and techniques and and i would also say that time is a great elixir of healing mm -hmm. that can't be replaced by anything else let's let's be very clear i am not a pro divorce coach but this is an inevitable path for well, a certain lot of people <laughs> more and more and so rather than putting our head in the sand and ignoring it it's time that we awaken as a society um, as neighbors as family and friends and take divorce out of the shadows of shame and isolation and shine the light on it so that we can support these families and for those of you out there that are already down the road and wish oh gosh 10 years ago I wish I heard Helen and Karen speak mm -hmm. about this you can still change your behavior towards your partner. Even if you can't control theirs. That's right, because at the end of the day, 
behavior is contagious. Mm -hmm. And so if one person shows up with a kinder heart, is willing to offer grace and compassion, to listen in a different way. You know, so often there's a love story wrapped up inside of these divorces. Now, I know in certain cultures there's arranged marriages and we're not always the decider of our fate, but for many of us around the globe, we fall deeply in love with someone. We have a glorious wedding day, just like myself. We choose to have families together. And when you make that choice, you are now in a forever relationship. Mm And many of us want to sit together at weddings and graduations and not make our children wish that we both weren't there because we're just fighting the whole time over the buffet line, Mm -hmm. right? Let's not put our children in that situation. Can I ask, I don't want to use the word wrong, but I can't think of another one. Where do you see families often getting getting it wrong when it comes to not perhaps putting the children first or indeed not putting their own feelings and values first? What what are some of the common traps you've seen over the years? I certainly understand that there are people who, as you said, actually feel trapped. There are individuals who maybe financially cannot go out on their own. Uh, Sometimes one of the parents, often it's the woman who has taken a pause in her career Mm -hmm. and to kickstart that again can be challenging. So there's certain things that maybe um, prevent us from speaking our truth, even though when we're living it internally. And then once we start down that road, you know, one hallmark is I remind people, don't let your lawyers hijack your journey. Uh, Lawyers are there to help us through the legal complexity and navigate that. They're needed, but they're also trained to fight for you and to get as much as possible for you. And what I encourage is for families to think about, we want to create abundance for our children. So that means there's a certain parity Mm -hmm. where we both have healthy households and we have financial stability and that our children still see us as a unified front. Let's go to the text line. Karen McNally joining us this afternoon. If you do have any questions for her, anonymous message here saying, how can I reassure my daughters that I'm going to be present as a father after the divorce? Oh, what a precious concern. And and I want to highlight the importance of the relationship with mother and father. And any responsible parent who has a, a healthy co-parent should want to fertilize and grow that. It's, it's very important for children to feel attachment to both parents, mm-hmm. um, same gender and cross-gender. And so I would say to this father and to other fathers out there who are afraid of being pushed out or um, displaced by the divorce, keep showing up. Just keep showing up. And it might be a text message. It might be, um, you know, remembering special moments. And and by all means, be in conversation with the mother if they are the primary parent or the guardian parent. My hope would be that those individuals would be able amongst themselves, not with the children. We don't want to put our children in a position where they're making adult decisions or having to navigate adult situations. Or being told of things that they don't need to know. You know, Absolutely. Being, you, know, p- you know, poison in the ear um, from, from one of the parents. It's uh, all too common. And I think also incredibly understandable, especially if there's been an infidelity, especially if there's been, you know, some kind of slighting or injustice for one parent to go, well, he did this or she did that. And that's why we're not together. And this is her fault. This, you know, he, he's the one that created the situation. And I understand that because I think, honestly, if my husband cheated on me, it would take an awful lot of willpower yes. not to put full blame on him. Yes. So I guess it's, as you said, time being incredibly Time useful. is incredible, but also words matter. They do. And 
remember that when you are speaking disrespectfully about the other parent, your children, they are, they are half that parent. They identify with that individual. So if you think, I would never want to insult my child, then you pause and you think, I should not be insulting their parent. Go get a good girlfriend. Go out with the guys. Find a place to have that expressive... Vent it. Venting out. But your children don't deserve it. There's nothing they can do with it. And it really erodes their self-esteem in the process. A message here saying, my divorce was not pleasant, but now we are so good not being together. We get along so much better. Makes me think, why didn't I get a divorce earlier? You're smiling. This is clearly something you hear a lot. Oh, yes. And I think it's my story as well. Um, 11 years post-divorce, I say I do have a good divorce. Um, my co-parent and I, we live six blocks apart from each other. Oh, wow. We're in each other's homes. We communicate on a regular basis. And... Indeed, I would agree. I also have a softening in my heart and can love the father of my children in a way that I didn't or that I couldn't when we were under one roof. Mm -hmm. And so often I hear people, you know, the mantra, stay for the children, stay for the children. And I remember the day when I kind of felt like I was losing my mind. I was angry. I was hurt. I was not parenting and the best version of myself. And it occurred to me, I need to leave for my children. Mm -hmm. I need to show them a great example. I also need to be a better version of myself for them each and every day. And it has been more possible for me to do that. And I believe for their father as we live in our own homes. A question here, which I think is a really important one. I know it's going to vary an awful lot depending on the age of the children, but how to tell your children that you're getting divorced. We could do an hour on this. We've only got a few minutes, unfortunately. But in terms of general guidelines for navigating what could be a very difficult conversation. That's right. And it might sound unusual, but I encourage mother and father to have a rehearsal. I actually think you should sit down. You should talk about what you want to say, how you want to say it, maybe even have some talking points if you're working with a therapist or a counselor, and be prepared. And then also be mindful of the age of your children mm -hmm. and what is age appropriate. Just answer the question being asked. They don't need the whole story. Most of the time, they just want to know where Santa's going to find them <laughs> in December. Well said indeed. Karen, for anyone that, that is looking for, I'm asking, did you do Zoom consultations? Yes. Of course I, you do. It's 2022. <laughs> uh, it's 2022. And I work with couples and individuals. My my, I find the best outcome is when I start working with a couple before they've even called the lawyers. Mm -hmm. They've decided and they're trying to figure out how to navigate this path, how to talk to the children, how to talk to their family members, how to build a schedule, how to divide all the kitchen appliances up. So many details. Our lawyers will help us get divorced, but we need someone to help us to know how to be divorced because that is a much, much longer journey. Karen McNally, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. For anyone that wants to get in touch with you, um, check out your talks and your resources. What's the best way of reaching out? Yes, they can find me on Instagram, Good Divorce Coach, and also online at KarenMcNenny.com, The Good you Divorce Coach. Thank you so, so much. If anyone does want those details, drop me a message anonymously, of course, if you prefer, 4001, and I will send those links your way.
We're broadcasting live from Parent of the Unconference and we've cherry-picked some of our favourite speakers and topics to share with you this afternoon if you weren't able to make it to Yas Island and the Etihad Arena. And joining us now, live in our studio in the experiential zone, is Dr Christopher Willard. He is a psychologist, consultant based in Boston and has had led hundreds of workshops around the world, um, including right here in the Middle East. He's presented at TEDx conferences. His thoughts have been in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and he's the author of several books relating to parenting, childcare, and more. He teaches at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Chris, thank you for being with us this afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a blast to be here at the conference and hang out with you. Now, the topics across the few days are fascinating, but one that really caught my kind of eye was yours, which was give yourself a break. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this topic and why you've chosen it to really communicate here at the, at the conference. Absolutely. I mean, I think all of us as parents, and I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, right? This pandemic has been totally exhausting. Even without the pandemic, parenting is just all about burnout so much of the time, right? We're, we're you know, many parents are, are both working. Um, you know, we're trying to balance and juggle the kids and everything else. And trying home. to be perfect. <laughs> well, well, clearly you are. I haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> I so I should be interviewing you. Uh, no, but, but, but the pressure is real. It is so real. It is so real. And it comes from ourselves. It comes from cultural messages that we've gotten about how perfect we should be. It comes from right, our own childhoods mm-hmm. and all that stuff from our own childhoods that we need to need to work with. Because yeah. you've been working in this area for some time and you did write your first book before you had kids yourself. And I'm curious, what impact has having children had on your research and your view on parenting, non-academically? Yeah, if anyone listening bought my first parenting book, just throw it away. <laughs> it was before I had kids. No, <laughs> it's, not, it's not terrible. But it, there is that, like, you know, we, we're all the best parents in the world to really become them. But it's not true. It's you, 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 so you, you, true. You look around restaurants like, well, my child would never have an <laughs> never. iPad at the table. Oh, absolutely not. And now I'm never. like, can we just have a little 10-minute break <laughs> so, so mommy right. so so can have a little break? But, but it, it, it's, it's, it's true. We, ha- we, have, we go into it with the best of intentions. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. then reality hits, and we're like, okay. <laughs> There is no manual and there's no right. volume button, so right. how are we how are we going to cope with this? So how has it impacted your your view? Well, it's you know I mean I think you know in some ways it's been so much more fun and so much more difficult. Like mm-hmm. like both sides of it, it's been harder and more rewarding than than anything I would have expected. And I think some of those things about my kids will behave like this or they will be perfect eaters, right? I just think about. I remember thinking my son was like such a perfect eater. He was like one years old. He was like eating cauliflower. We're like, oh, oh, we're like epic parents. And then I like Let me guess, cleaning did he, did he up. Did he turn two and then it all just fell apart? Oh, well, it wasn't even then. It was like then I discovered he was hiding it all like in his <laughs> in his onesie. And I was like, clearly, you know, clearly something you're, else you're is raising going on. an evil genius. <laughs> clearly, he's a psychopath is what it's come down to. <laughs> isn't, but isn't that interesting that <laughs> even you, who has got all this experience are kind of facing your own challenges so aside from you know cauliflower stashing in a onesie (laughs) what are some of the challenges that you've faced as a father yourself yeah absolutely I mean I have a very busy job I'm here in Abu Dhabi my kids are sad and they miss me Mm -hmm. and 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 that's very real I travel a lot for my work trying to find the balance the pandemic was amazing in some ways you know I I was joking this morning in my workshop I was saying you know the pandemic meant I was home for dinner every night which was amazing and also horrifying it was it was really both and um 
but it pushed so much stuff back and now I am traveling again and that mm -hmm. is really challenging. I'm working out of the house again. That's that's hard and it's nice like being able to realize, oh, there's something important about having boundaries around work and I can leave and come back and the kids are happy to see me, but also that it is really hard to leave. And mm -hmm. as they get older, it only gets harder mm -hmm. to, to leave, whether it's for the work day or to fly halfway across the world. Well, let's talk burnout there because I think every parent will listen today and understand I hope what I'm about to say is that you just don't stop thinking about it you can be at work you can be in a different mm -hmm. continent but <laughs> it is the job that you never switch off from and I'm not right. saying I want to right but it, right. it can be all consuming and as, as I love what you said there in terms of it being more difficult and more rewarding I never could have prepared myself for the depth of love that I was capable oh of my having gosh. ever yeah but there is a kind of a dark underbelly to that which was as a parent, you're so vulnerable. Like you know, right. you, people know what your weak spot is. It's such a it's such a trope in movies. Like oh go after the family. And now I get it. I'm like, <laughs> right, I would literally right, do anything right. to protect my children. Yeah, like the mama absolutely. bear will come out, and I will rip your face off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, it is. It, it's, it is all consuming. And I think a lot of parents, rightfully and understandably, completely underestimate how how much it's going to dominate and dictate our lives and our identity as well, hey, which hey. leads to this burnout in so many ways. And as you said, that kind of comparison pieces, perfection idea is is, um, is really tough. From Etihad Arena on Yas Island, Abu Dhabi. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at Parenthood, the Unconference, the event you wish your parents had attended. And we have stolen away from speakers from Parenthood, the Unconference. Joining us now in our studio here is Dr. Chris Willard. He is a psychologist, an author, consultant. Um, and he spoke this morning on a topic called Give Yourself a Break, talking about parental burnout. Um, message here from Chet, which I think is a, um, a really lovely one. So thank you, Chet. Saying, it's so reassuring to know that other parents are also looking for solutions to help our unique kiddos. Um, so let's talk about some solutions to parenting burnout. Because it's such a kind of cliche isn't it you know, you, when you're on the airplane you put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your <laughs> right, child right but there is some truth in that in terms of you can't look after your kids if you're not looking after yourself so yeah. what have you learned through your years as a psychologist and research and also as a dad as well yeah to me actually the better airplane metaphor is like when you're flying along and there's turbulence and everyone starts to freak out right did the engine fall off right what's going on and then the pilot gets on and says something like Folks, we're experiencing some turbulence. Just stay in your seat. Don't move around the cabin. And not all the time, but most of the time, most people settle down. Because what the pilot is actually doing is something called co-regulation, which is our emotions are contagious. So if the pilot can stay calm, then the passengers in the airplane can stay calm. And that's just like us parents, mm -hmm. right? If we can keep ourselves calm, regulated, whatever we do to manage our stress, then our kids are far more likely to just be okay, roll with it, manage their own stress, and calm themselves down with us. So that's that's really what's so key. I understand what you're saying. However, <laughs> however, when, you, when, when, when there's a tantrum in, this, in, the, uh, in the supermarket or you need to get to school and mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. and sometimes as a, as a parent, it can be the smallest thing that triggers you and, and tips you tips you over the edge. Right. So I, I, I hope I'm not misinterpreting this. So if we look after our own stress kind of con consistently, these things won't be 
as triggering to us, which means then we can be the port in the storm and we don't escalate the situation. That's absolutely right, Helen. I mean, it really is like, I mean, if the kid's having a tantrum, they're having a tantrum. But we can, maybe we can't stop that tantrum, but what we can do is there's always the wrong thing to do, mm -hmm. even if there's not necessarily a clear right thing to do. We can make it worse by yelling at them. We can make it, like, we can make it worse. We can't always make it better, but when we're able to keep ourselves well-regulated, whatever it might be for us, a little bit less stressed out, not so reactive, we're way more likely to be able to remember, oh, here's this little trick I learned in a parenting book or in this class I took. Or maybe there is sometimes that it is just like, okay, we just grab them and keep going because that's also okay. Sometimes we just got to get the shoes on. Mm -hmm. We got to get out the door um, and that's okay. Maybe we check back in about it later. Tell us then about what is a a gold standard of self-care when it comes to parenting and then what perhaps is attainable for, for busy parents. <laughs> you know, I talk a lot about mindfulness. I've written a bunch of books about mindfulness for kids and parents and things like that. And and my idea is always, you know, and again, this is sort of, you know, before I became a parent, it's like, oh, I'm going to be meditating for 20 minutes a day while the kids are napping. And, you know, that's just not the reality. But for me, it is like, can I catch, you know, when I when I pull up in the driveway, can I just take a few breaths before I walk in the door, right? When there is that little moment before, you know, or after the kids go to sleep, can I reconnect with my wife? Can we just take a moment together to reconnect? Can they watch a show while we maybe do a workout video or do something else to care for ourselves that we make sure that we connect with each other, we connect with ourselves, we find these little moments and they'll start to shift the way our day goes mm -hmm. and the way we react to our kids. Can we talk about your the book that you're working on, which is for children? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to let you say the title. <laughs> so this 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 book came out of um, a conversation my friend was having with her her daughter, and her daughter said, "Well, you know, feelings are like farts." <laughs> and so my friend and I we started texting about this, and in about 15 minutes we'd written this book that's called Feelings Are Like Farts, right? And and if you think about it, like our feelings, they they they, they come and go, right? <laughs> it's never cool to blame them on other people. Right? <laughs> There's you know, if you hold them in too long, they can really explode. <laughs> if they ever hurt, you should probably talk to a professional that you trust, right? All why, these why kinds haven't of these parallels things. been drawn before? I'm Chris. amazed that these parallels have not been drawn before because it is truly so profound and so we are so excited about this book coming out hopefully next year and it's obviously aimed at children yep so <laughs> and i think books can be such an amazing tool for actually having some really hard conversations with our kids absolutely i mean everything in the book really is like you know so you know what do you do you know you can't run away from them they kind of follow you around i mean so like how do you actually manage them do you want to do you want to laugh about them with friends and family? Do you want to find a safe place to let them out? All of these are true of both feelings and farts, and they can really lead to, I think, some really fun conversations. Please make sure it's going to be available in parents. the UAE. Absolutely. Get an Arabic <laughs> translation going. <laughs> I just want to come back to parental burnout because I do wonder, is this a modern thing? Do you think that, you know, your grandparents worried about being amazing parents or were felt the <laughs> my grandparents or everybody's grandparents previous generations <laughs> let's put it as previous generations i think probably not i think there wasn't as much cultural pressure i think you know in some ways it's amazing that we have this parenthood conference but it's also kind of 
it's it's terrible that we have this parenthood conference, right? It puts so much pressure. I should parent this way. I should parent that way. That's what I, I find. Oh my gosh! Stressful. Exactly. It's like all these books. It's like the the British way of parenting, the French way of parenting, the Canadian way of parenting. It's like which one should I pick? I don't I don't know which one I should do. And I was realizing, and I don't want to ruin my like, children. Well, exactly. Then they're going to be stuck with the therapy bills from Doctor Chris for the rest of their <laughs> lives, and that that's going to add up. So like. How do we just, you know, I was joking in the in the talk this morning. It's like, how do we go from making parent a verb to just making it a noun again? Like, maybe we should just be parents, not just try to parent and parent this way and parent that way. Just be parents. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I'm a big believer. I, I heard the term benign neglect. <laughs> and I really feel like that's a great one for how we maybe want to be parents. Like, give the kids a little bit of room to to run around and make some of their own mistakes but also you know really really be there as a as a cushion when they do fall down and and help Mm. them back up I feel like that's so important is there a parenting style that you find particularly I don't want to say offensive but something (laughs) something that would never darken your door as a family (laughs) particularly loathsome yeah um it's actually very funny. I was, I was talking to someone who's writing an article about, I, I spend a lot of time lurking in different parenting groups online just to see what parents are talking about. What always shocks me in some of these parenting groups that are like the kind parenting group, the gentle, the whatever. And it's like, you see the most like horrible parent vicious. shaming, bullying, vicious, like mom shaming. And it's, it's, it's so depressing. <laughs> so I think like learning how to be true to ourselves and not follow some like parenting ideology, mm-hmm. I think is actually really important Mm -hmm. yeah do you have a parenting motto or philosophy for the way you're raising your kids Mm. if you could sum it up for us i'll tell you mine yeah yeah done is better than perfect they don't need they they don't need to be the most spotless well-behaved academic kids absolutely (laughs) they really don't i just want them to be happy totally and feel safe Absolutely. And that's really all that they need. I really, I remember when I, many years ago before I had kids, but someone said, Chris, you got to learn when good is good enough. Mm. And I feel like the with good parenting, enough parent. the good enough parent, right? Absolutely. How can we do just a good enough job and there'll still be some therapy bills down the road, but you know, it's all right. Children of the pandemic, it's inevitable. Well, that's going to be my big takeaway. Blame it on the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a book for you. Dr. Chris Willard, thank you so, so much. For anyone that does want to follow your work or indeed see any of your talks, if they weren't able to make it this morning, what's the best way of getting in touch or checking you out online? Oh, uh, thank you so much, Helen. Um, I do offer some parenting courses online. Um, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Chris Willard. Um, and I, gosh, there's a couple of TEDx talks I have about mindfulness that are out there floating around the internet and um, you can just google me and find me drchristopherwillard.com thank you i've really enjoyed speaking to you i really have because i feel like uh, a lot of people feel an awful lot of pressure just had a message here saying we need to stop expertise parenting there is a reason why there are so many books by experts is there is no right or wrong there is no this, this i think there's no prescription what works for one family that's another good parenting motto Absolutely. Gra- great for you not for me yeah yeah. Um, an anonymous message here saying the pressure to reach perfection is actually the cause of all issues the constant mm. comparison to be at the top of it all academic social settings online I doubt it was this hard a few generations ago well said indeed Dr Christopher Willard thank you so so much if you want Chris's details I'd be very happy to share them if you want to drop us a little line on 4001 from Etihad Arena on Yas Island Abu Dhabi this is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8 live at Parenthood the Unconference the event you wish your parents had attended Speaking now to Shanali, who is, I think, got an amazing, amazing title, Chief Play Officer at Katie Jane Dubai. And we're talking about baby signing. 
She's got a master in clinical psychology, has previously worked as a behavioural therapist, working with non-verbal children and children with sensory difficulties. Shanali, for anyone who's not familiar with baby signing, can you explain what it is? Yes, so it's basically using gestures for to teach children how to communicate with us. So it's like the deaf community uses sign language and recently we discovered that we can use sign language with hearing children who are not yet verbal so they can have a way to communicate. So they can't yet so say the word. Because, that gap. Yeah, because they only start speaking post one year, closer to two years because they only got like, you know, a few babbling words. So it's really closer to two years where you get a few words, but they can sign as young as a few months old. No way. A few ma- Okay, I need some examples. What kind of things could a child sign for? What could they be communicating? They could communicate that they want milk. They could communicate that their nappy is dirty and they want it changed. They can wow. communicate they want food, water. 90% of tantrums in the first couple of years are related to basic needs. And the inability to communicate them. I think that's the, the big frustration for, for so many little ones. It's there's, you know, just desperate, desperate to had, connect. Have you had a parent screaming like, what do you want? I want to tell me what you need. <laughs> Apart from hopefully a reduction in tantrums. Um, and I guess a, a strengthening the bond between parent and child. Is that something that you've noticed with families you've worked with, Shanali? Absolutely. It, it builds a better bond with your child because you really tune into them. There's that kind of back and forth. They're responding to you. You're responding to them. It's language, communication, and it's social. Mm-hmm. So it builds that emotional bond with um, the parent and also really helps with postpartum depression and anxiety for, for the parent, for the mom. I say this as someone who did have postnatal depression, so I find this particularly personally interesting. In what way can it help with that? So learning a new skill can Mm -hmm. help move your mind out of that. Also, you're trying to connect with your child. Mm -hmm. So it's giving you a tool to connect with your child. So it's kind of like helping you step out of that a bit. Mm -hmm. You understand what I mean? And building giving you a focus. That's really fascinating. What about other benefits? Can I can ask if there's any data that shows, you know, trickle down effect to school even, you know, whether it's reading or social skills do do we know anything about that in baby signing absolutely so children who start signing they have larger receptive vocabulary um they tested this up to 30 36 months so that's close to three years um also it enhances their spoken speech so they have larger vocabulary with spoken speech children and i'm i might be way off the mark here shanali but my worry I think would be is if they get so used to baby signing that there might not be any incentive to actually start talking can you explain a little bit about that about that dynamic and how that might play out absolutely that's a great question that's a number one concern and research has shown that is absolutely not that does not hold up at all there are no disadvantages to sign language sign language does not delay speech for hearing children because we're always signing with language whenever just signing we're signing and saying the word so we're always walking up to expressive. I want to hear from a parent now. We've got Shanali with us, Chief Play Officer at Katie Chain Dubai, talking about baby signing. And uh, Mum, Rachel, both of her kids did the class. Rachel, can you explain a little bit about your experience with your kids learning baby signing? How did it go? Yeah, <laughs> um, it was amazing. I'm a huge fan of baby signing. Um, 
Rowan, my eldest, he's now three. He started uh, signing at six months with the word milk, or the sign milk. Um, and then around eight, nine months, he was uh, doing food, um, finished, and more. More was a really important sign. <laughs> and, um, my little girl, uh, she's eight months now. She also had milk at six months, and she's just started signing more as well. Um, so I, I use it with both of them and I still use it now and Rowan uses it with his sister as well. I know you've got no point of comparison because as you say both of your little ones did baby signing but how do you feel like it's um, helped with your bond to your children Rachel? Oh I think it's it has helped because it allowed us to communicate better in those early stages um, because Mm. Rowan was able to tell me what he wanted and what he needed and when he started nursery we were able to sort of um say to the staff there this is how he tells you he's thirsty this is how he tells you he's hungry so it wasn't just at home that it was useful it was useful in that wider world as well rachel i'm asking you to be totally honest here what if you don't want to give them more <laughs> what if you're going i see you i see what you want but it's a no how does that kind of conversation play out that back and forth um, when they're really small with signing. I mean, mm-hmm. no is still mm-hmm. no. We also, very early on, I started with the sign stop, um, which we found very powerful for Rowan to use as well. If there was a game he didn't like, if he was being tickled or something and he wanted to stop, but it was also oh, for us as well to say stop. And he really responded to that. Because that becomes part of a consent thing as well in terms of understanding what he's comfortable with, whether, as you say, it might be food or it might be actions and play. Rachel, thank you so much. I think it's really, really important to, to kind of hear from a parent's point of view. Chanel, you've had a number of messages asking um, where lessons take place, you know, group settings, online. Can you explain a little bit about how people can get in touch and find out more? Absolutely. So we run sign clashes uh, over at Katie Jane Dubai, K-A-T-I-E. KDJ in Dubai, and we're actually running them outdoors in the park right now because the weather is lovely. Oh, that's you're making me want to have another baby. This is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Shanali, thank you so much for your time. Um, you, I will I will find your website right now on the laptop in front of me. And if anyone does want details of those classes, I'd be very happy to send the link over. Rachel, appreciate it. Really, really do. And Shanali from Katie Jane, an absolute pleasure. Really, really mind opening. And the lovely Julie Mallon from Nurture the Sleep has been in touch saying research also shows that toddlers who learn baby sign have better self-regulation and experience less emotional meltdowns. Can only sound like a positive to me. It's Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. We are getting you in the mood for the weekend already, I know, um, with the wonderful Kareem from Kids App. He's joining us live on the line to have a bit of a special celebration for this app and also to tell us what is in store. Kareem, happy fifth birthday. Thank you so much. Uh, I may sound old for a five-year-old, but I think <laughs> Helen is actually talking about you know, our app, Kids App, the parenting app for UAE on where to take your kids. And can you believe it has been five years and what five years it's been my goodness there were all sorts of adaptations during lockdown we've come out even stronger and i have to say it feels like crazy busy season right now we've seen some amazing openings some great deals so how are you marking your fifth year anniversary so we're doing a couple of things so first of all obviously we want everybody to celebrate with us all the parents and all the venues so we're going to be doing a ton of giveaways on our platform in the app on the social media we've gone out to all our good venue and and kids activity partners to come up with really great offers that we're about to launch just for November 
just for five years. And we're going to be doing the Kids App Awards, which we haven't done since 2019, before COVID. We're happy that's coming back and we're going to launch that next week. That's going to be going for three months. All the best, you know, kids activity providers in town. Everybody's welcome to participate. Anyone that does anything for kids. And we're going to give chance to parents to recognize all the work that these venues do to keep their kids entertained, educated and happy. Well, congratulations again. And it's good to know that we're the ones who are going to be getting the presents for your five years. Um, as I said, I feel like the weekends are already filling up between now and, uh, and the Christmas break. It's, it's a lot and it's great. I love being busy. I love doing things with the kids. And I wondered if there was anything that you thought was worth a particular highlight at the moment. Um, maybe something that we're, I don't know, could be brand new to market or something that's had a, had a bit of a, a bit of a renaissance. What's some of your favorites right now, Kareem? So there's a couple of new things going on, but uh, there's also something new from our side. We've introduced something not just for the weekend, for the midweek, because a lot of mm. parents tell us, yeah, they're a bit at a loss on what to do. Maybe the middle of the week, you're kind of waiting for the weekend and you haven't just come out of one. So we came up with the Wednesday pass, which basically gives you buy one, get one at most amazing venues like Air Maniacs, Praetorium, Woohoo, Treehouse, Bricobilandia, Gogo Village, Tommy Life, and many, Whoa. many more. Yeah. So just every Wednesday or Tuesday night when you're bored, and you're wondering what to do, call a friend, book on Kids App. So that's the Wednesday pass. And that's, oh goodness me, okay. <laughs> these kids these kids do not know how lucky they are. I just want to state true. this. They don't. They really don't. My kids are like, what are we doing this weekend? I'm like, well, we're going to go to the Courtyard Playhouse and then you've got a party. Back in back in my day, we used to go to the garden centre and go and see my granny. And that, that was the weekend. I was lucky but if I got a sandpit. <laughs> <laughs> Kareem, what about some of the new openings or new events that we need to be marking our calendars with? So I think there's a couple of interesting things for this weekend. And before I go into all the great outdoor stuff that's happening, there's the Mr. Kind show. I don't know if you've heard of it, Helen, but it's no, for... No, I haven't. So it's for ages two and plus, And the nice thing about it is it's both entertaining and educational. And, you know, as the name suggests, you know, it's a lot of songs, life lessons, fun for the kids. They have interesting characters like Planet Earth... Mr. Kind and Steve the Garbage Bin. And it's about <laughs> teaching love, sharing kindness, and as you probably guessed, taking care of the environment. So that's happening at City Center Mirdiff, uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. More details in Kids App, um, and you can book directly in the app. So this is, I, I really like the idea, we are going to be speaking to author Stephen Lee after half past four today, about the importance of kids being exposed to theatre and music and being in that kind of performance setting from an early age because I do think it does foster this love and they don't know it's they don't know it's culture they don't they don't know that you know this is the kind of the building blocks of you know going out to concerts and you know theatre productions but I think it's a really great lesson to be able to see talent on the stage and be in that kind of environment and to try something new also to learn how to behave in those environments as well it's good a good little trainer so that is murder city center this coming weekend details over on the app um kareem what about and because i say this when i took the kids to school this morning i was wearing a hoodie and i was not mad about it the weather is getting glorious can we talk about any outdoorsy stuff especially in light of the dubai fitness challenge is there anything that you'd recommend on that front yeah absolutely so if you know aquaparks leisure it's basically a, an outdoor pool built on the beach in kite beach and it's an obstacle course for kids on the water it's so much fun and they're doing something special for the whole of uh, you know the the fitness challenge so as you know it's 30 30 so what they're doing is they're offering 30 minutes 
for 30 dirhams. So it's a really great deal. And again, all the info is in the app. It's great for ages three plus. And honestly, you were talking about you know, how lucky the kids are. This is exactly the kind of thing I would love to do. I would have loved to. I still want to do it. I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so busy putting everything in the app for everyone else, you know. Karim, you have <laughs> to experience these things. We went on this giant inflatable when we went um, for a staycay in Rack a few weeks ago. And I swear I had more fun than the kids. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, we've run out of time, but we, we, my goodness, we haven't run out of things. You've also got Right Market, Al Burari, Expo City. I'm really keen to take the kids back there. Now it's going to be um, well, smaller crowds. Um, you can take the dogs, you can take your scooters. Um, so great chance. So all of this information and more over on the Kids App app. Cream, ha- again, happy fifth birthday. All the best to you and the team and keep up the good work. Have a lovely weekend, Thank sir. You. See you soon. Take care. From Etihad Arena on Yas Island, Abu Dhabi. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at Parenthood, the Unconference. The event you wish your parents had attended. We are getting you in the mood for the weekend. I know, it's Thursday already. But I tell you what, there's some great things happening across the UAE and in a bit of an unusual location. In conversation now with Stephen Lee, the author and performer of I Spy With My Little Eye, all aboard the QE2 this weekend. Stephen, how are you? Hi, nice to meet you, Helen. Great to have you with us. Um, Can I ask you about writing children's books? Because I think of it as being the most romantic you know <laughs> beautiful job in the world what's it like in reality Stephen? Um, in reality it often comes from telling bedtime stories to my children and um, so it's not so much romance as sort of wild beauty and happiness uh, that's very bad for actually putting them to sleep <laughs> they get far too excited and I always know <laughs> I've got a good one because they ask me to tell it again on consecutive days uh, which is what happens and lots of giggles yeah, this was written for my daughter, uh, Molly, and that's why the leading lady in the show is called Molly. Um, and her favourite game was I Spy With My Little Eyes. So before she would go to bed, I would pick her up and I would hold her to the window, uh, closed, of course, I should stress, and we'd look outside and we'd go, I Spy With My Little Eyes. So I'd begin with tea and she'd go, it's a tree, and I'd say yes or no, and so on. And uh, that sort of swelled and grew into a more fully realised story. Um, and really, I'm not, I'm not actually a, a book writer. I sometimes write books, but really I'm a playwright. So it's much more natural mm-hmm. for me to transfer my work to the stage, which is what we did. Um, and uh, the show has been touring across the UK. Uh, it's obviously coming to Dubai. We're about to get on the plane, literally, to come see you. And then next year, it's going to Ireland. Now, the one thing I really wanted to say, because this is really important, we found in the UK that audiences to begin with were quite small until word of mouth spread and now we're selling out and um, we don't have time for that in dubai we're just with you guys for one day and then we're in abu dhabi for one day so it's really important mm. this is the chance to give that word of mouth this is a chance to tell people that this is an award-winning show it's been uh, it's been said that it's the best children's show for under sevens in the uk it's full of magic. It's full of all your favourite sing-along songs, like the ants go marching, uh, I can sing a rainbow, head, shoulders, knees and toes, and of course, B-I-N-G-O. Um, <laughs> and there's a few surprises thrown in there as well. The most important thing, so, and sometimes you get these little connections, but I know that the last lady you were speaking to was a divorce expert. Mm-hmm. Well, this experience is a family expert, because research has shown for years and years and years that families that play together stay together. And this show is very much about families sharing a really happy experience together and in fact before we go on the actors all get together and we say right let's go make some kids happy right now which is what we do 
Oh, how silly is it? We like a bit of silliness here in Dubai. Is singing and dancing encouraged, even? <laughs> oh, yeah, at the end, everyone gets up and joins in with the song. I better not tell you what the song is because I don't want to spoil anything, but the, the entire show is full of interaction. In fact, it was designed to be rather cleverly a play that you can actually play. And that's the theory. So we get kids involved from the moment the show starts all the way to the end. Lots of screaming and shouting, uh, lots of enjoyment. And as I say, lots of big smiles and faces. So you sang for ages under seven. And I always feel like there's a bit of nerves attached to taking children to a theatre show or even the cinema. But this sounds like a perfect, I guess, training ground for them to be experiencing plays perhaps for the first time. How long is it? And anything we should know coming along with little ones? It's, it's between 55 minutes and 60 minutes. And that, the reason we've got a little bit of an ish there with the timing is because it's really, as I said, interactive. Uh, and the more screaming and fun we have, well, we'll, we'll make the show last a bit longer because we want to encourage that. Can I ask you then about the children being the toughest critics? It sounds like your children have been, you know, rave reviewers of I Spy With My Little Eye. Is there anything that's been rejected by them that you thought, actually, I thought that was quite a good idea, Molly, but you are not responding to this at all? Nah. Um, they're my kids. They love me. <laughs> so actually, uh, they're, they're not the critics I need to worry about. Uh, the critics I, who I always worry about are the public. Uh, and you're right that if a child doesn't like something, they're going to tell you. But we've just not had that experience at all. I mean, I've been doing it a long no, time now, so no I've got to the point where I, yeah, I've got to the point where I kind of know what I'm doing, and uh, I, I know which buttons to press to make sure that kids have a really great time, which is which is what they do. We've just had a message on the text line saying where and Ooh. when for the kids' show. Um, it's going to be at Theatre by QE2 on November 5th, so Saturday, and there's an 11 a.m. show and a 3 p.m. show. Thank you for that um, in terms of the timings because, I mean, my kids are a bit older now, at kind of nearly eight and nearly six, but I remember having to plan my days around nap time. So <laughs> I think having a couple of options is uh, is really, really valuable. Um, and it, you're saying it's going to be the best party ever. So... I want to know a little bit more about um, about the characters. Tell us about yeah. tell us about Molly and who else is going to be there on stage. Okay, so the premise of the show is that it's Molly's sixth birthday. Her parents and Bingo the dog are throwing her uh, a treasure hunt party. You know, you often kids' parties are themed. You get like uh, mm -hmm. princess parties and pirate parties. Well, this is a treasure hunt party, and in order to um, find the treasure, we have to solve clues and puzzles and play games. Um, and the audience are the guests. So you remember earlier I said this is a play that you can play, and that's why, because you're literally in your seat at, a, at your friend's birthday party, playing all the birthday games, getting all the birthday treats. The magician comes and does a magic trick to entertain you. So it's got all that kind of stuff you've always loved at your best friend's birthday party, but the added kind of fizz of it being uh, a full-scale family musical with a talking dog uh, and a he lovely six-year-old birthday girl. <laughs> he doesn't love See, a It sounds dog. brilliant. Huge congrats on its success so far and so pleased it's going to be coming to the stage here in Dubai. You are going to have to be fast. It is for one day only, as we said, at Theatre by QE2. You can get the website um, there, theatrebyqe2.com. Um, a morning showing and an afternoon showing as well. Stephen, get on the plane and uh, we'll be yes, looking forward to welcoming you on, on our sandy shores very, very soon. Thank Stephen Lee, you. thank you. Can't wait to see Play everybody. Right. It's going to be a brilliant one. The best party in town for the under sevens, so I think it's going to be a cracker.
And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.